When sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint, it helps to know what their church has taught on several basic topics. For this reason, Mormonism Research Ministry has provided its Crash Course Mormonism. Crash Course Mormonism includes concise articles highlighting what LDS leaders and church manuals have taught on issues that will probably come up in a typical conversation. You can find these informative articles at CrashCourseMormonism.com. That's CrashCourseMormonism.com. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is my colleague, Eric Johnson. We are continuing our look at a talk given by a BYU professor. Back in the 12th of July, 2011, a talk titled, His Grace is Sufficient. Mr. Wilcox tells the story of how a young student came to him and was very confused about the concept of grace. She says she just doesn't get grace. And so in the content of this message, he is explaining some of the things that he said to her to hopefully alleviate her of her confusion. Sadly, however, a lot of the things he says are confusing at best because sometimes Mr. Wilcox seems to get off topic or off script, I should say, when it comes to how a person can have the assurance of everything being okay and knowing that you're on the right track and receiving exaltation in the celestial kingdom. He gives the analogy or this little story about Christ's arrangement is kind of like a mom providing music lessons for her child. Mom pays the piano teacher and because mom pays the debt in full, she can turn to her child and ask for her to practice. He can de she can demand of the child to practice. Does the child's practice pay the piano teacher? No, he says. Does the child's practice repay mom for paying the piano teacher? No, he says. Practice is how the child shows appreciation for mom's incredible gift. Well, I don't know if most children look at it that way. I remember when I was a young person taking guitar lessons and I didn't like practicing. I even took piano lessons at one time and I didn't like it. I certainly didn't appreciate it. But anyway, he uses this piano analogy later on in his ser sermon. It's under a section called Christ's Grace is Sufficient to Help Us and it says, but Brother Wilcox, don't you realize how hard it is to practice? I'm just not very good at piano. Uh, I hit a lot of wrong notes. It takes me forever to get it right. Now wait, isn't that all part of the learning process? When a young pianist hits the wrong note, we don't say he is not worthy to keep practicing. We don't expect him to be flawless. Well, wait a, wait a minute. Let's stop right there. When a young pianist hits a wrong note, we don't say he is not worthy to keep practicing? No, but we also don't say he's qualified to play piano at Carnegie Hall. And isn't this supposed to be an analogy of going to a higher level, he said, when he gave that story? It's all about you doing something in order for you to better yourself and be better later on in life, which I have to assume he's given some kind of a, a, a picture of a person ultimately ending up in the celestial kingdom. We go back to this 
the dilemma of the young lady who is asking this question and saying, I'm just not very good at the piano. She's making it very clear. Look, you're telling me what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm having a struggle doing it. That's her problem. And that, I think, is a problem with a lot of Latter-day Saints. So anyway, he goes on to say what about people giving up on the church? He says too many are giving up on the church because they are tired of constantly feeling like they are falling short. They have tried in the past, but they always feel like they are just not good enough. They don't understand grace. Now, I find this very interesting because this isn't the first time that phrase has been used to describe people who struggle in Mormonism. Too many are giving up on the church because they are tired of constantly feeling like they are falling short. Who's giving them that impression? Where are they coming up with that? I don't find that to be a major problem in our churches, in Christian churches. Do you? No. Uh, it's not to say that there aren't some people that probably come out of a, a bad environment, maybe a legalistic kind of a church, who may have those kind of understandings. But we know that legalism is wrong. We know that legalism is a perversion of what grace is supposed to be about. But what, what do you do with all these stories? Because there are many of them that are around. Yeah, let me give you one from Stephen E. Robinson, uh, Believing Christ, April 1992 edition of the Inside Magazine, under a section, Why He is Called the Savior. This is what he, he's talking about his wife, talking about how busy she was, just gave birth to the fourth child, had graduated from college, passed the CPA exam. And he says this, Then my wife began to feel an overpowering sense of discouragement. She asked to be released from her callings and try as I might. I could not get her to tell me what was wrong. One night after two weeks of being prodded by a sometimes insensitive but worried husband, she finally said, All right, you want to know what's wrong? I can't do it anymore. I can't get up at 5.30 in the morning to bake bread and help my kids with their homework and do my own homework. I can't do my Relief Society stuff and get my genealogy done and so and go to the PTA meetings and write the missionaries, dot, dot, dot. She added, I don't have the talent that Sister Morrell has. I can't do what Sister Childs does. I try not to yell at the kids, but I do. I'm not perfect, and I'm never going to be perfect. I'm afraid I'm just going to... I'm just not going to make it to the celestial kingdom. I said, Janet, I know you have a testimony. Of course I do, she replied. That's what's so terrible. I know the gospel's true. I just can't do it. I've tried and I've tried, but I can't do it all, all of the time. Wow. And you know what Stephen Robinson, because he includes that same story in his book, Believing Christ, on page 17, what he says, she knew the demands, but not the good news. She understood all of that, but she didn't understand why he is called the Savior. In other words, his wife had a misunderstanding. But where did she get this misunderstanding? She gets it from reading church manuals. She gets it from going to general conference. Mm -hmm. Now, hey, praise God if Stephen Robinson really understands the concept of grace. Praise God for that. If he does, I don't know. But if he does, why couldn't he at least be honest enough in the article and in the book and say, you know why my wife felt like that? It's because of you guys. Mm -hmm. You guys, Bruce McConkie. You, Thomas Monson. You, Mr. Scott. You guys caused my wife to feel this way. It was your teachings that caused her to go through this horrible dilemma, trying to do better than she can possibly do. What's interesting also is you have Robert Millett in his book, Grace Works. He tells a very similar story, only about a woman named Janice, 
at, when I first read this, I thought, is he talking about the same woman? But when I went back and I looked at it, the circumstances were wholly different, so it can't be the same person. But it's about a woman who also who writes a letter to the stake presidency, and she's complaining how, she says, Dear President, I want to do everything the Lord has asked me to do. I want to do everything the church has asked me to do. In order to do so, I decided to make a list of the things that I have been asked to do in the church during the last six months. A copy of the list is enclosed. Then following about three pages of items, it was quite an imposing list. So they ended up giving this woman over to Robert Mellett to take care of. And he says, I agreed and made the appointment. What I had thought would be a brief pep talk turned out to be a rather lengthy meeting. I listened as Janice poured out her concerns for more than two hours. It was a very intense emotional meeting. Her concluding statement went something like this. I just can't do it all. I can't be the perfect mother, the perfect wife, the perfect church leader, the perfect citizen. I'm tired. In fact, I'm worn out, I tell you. I just can't do it all. And he says, I think I startled her a bit when he said, I know I can't either. And it says, Janice looked at me with suspicion. You admit that, she asked. I admit that, I replied. Isn't that an interesting response, Eric? You admit that? Remember we were talking about the other day how the superficial cosmetic behavior and how we've had ex-Mormons tell us that you end up putting on an act in order to not show any struggles that you may be going through because that's a sign of your lack of spirituality. She's surprised that, that Dr. Millett would admit that he has those struggles also. Well, I wonder how many people actually keep this uh, idea to themselves. They would not share with somebody else because of the lack of, uh, well, the, the, the face value of it, of having people think less of you. Perhaps that's why Utah is one of the highest states per capita of depressant drugs. I, I would have no doubt that that's probably, that's, that's got to be part of the problem. I mean, they can't handle it on their own. Who do you turn to? A doctor's pretty, uh, he's, he's middle, he's, he's not somebody who's going to perhaps judge you and say, I'm going through this depressing uh, idea, and, and they subscribe, uh, prescribe these things. I think that's something that is, is so sad when it comes to trying to do this on your own. You can't do it on your own, and so you have to resort. If you're not going to resort to that, you'll have to go to drugs and alcohol to escape. And that's that's tragic because you would think that if this is a religion that is really the true faith, the only true church as they claim to be, the only church that has the true gospel, why would it have such an adverse effect as what we are reading here? When Mr. Wilcox admits too many are giving up on the church because they are tired of constantly feeling like they are falling short, you have to ask, why are they feeling that way? Who is giving them this impression? Certainly, as we have been reading quote after quote after quote from Mormon leaders, it's, there's, there's the source. That's where it's coming from. It's coming from these leaders. They are nothing more, in my opinion, than the modern-day Pharisees that Jesus spoke of who are putting these heavy burdens on the people that they themselves aren't even living up to. Because let's be serious, do we really think that the general authorities in the Mormon church are doing what Spencer Kimball said in The Miracle of Forgiveness, or the requirements that Bruce McConkie gave that we have been quoting over the past several days? Do we really think that they have arrived 
You would never know it by listening to General Conference. They never talk about their shortcomings. And I'm sure they think, well, I have to be the great example. It might be a little bit comforting every once in a while to know that the leaders of your church struggle like you do, but that certainly isn't the impression that they give. They act like they've arrived, don't they? Well, they set the bar. I think they've set the bar so high, and uh, making people think that they have done it, I think, is a wrong impression. They need to be honest and say, if if they are doing it, they need to, to go ahead and say they are, but I... I agree with you. I don't think they are, and yet you hear nothing about, we struggle with this as well. Could it be said, as we talked about in the past couple of days, that maybe the general authorities in conference are being a little bit superficial and a little bit cosmetic? I would think so. Should but they repent of this? I would think they should. I would think they should, but we all know general authorities don't repent of anything. They want the people to repent, but the leaders never repent of anything. The church never repents. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. We hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. But did you know you can also listen to past broadcasts at your convenience? Simply go to Mormonism Research Ministries' website at mrm.org. Again, that's mrm.org. And scroll down to the box that says, Listen to the Podcast. Click here, and you'll find links to past shows that cover a number of pertinent subjects. Feel free to download the shows to your favorite listening device. And by all means, please share them with your friends. Once again, that's mrm.org.